Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt.
to go not normal with our pick for <laughs> what a horror film was. And I think this year we really topped the bizarreness with, well, just the director's name. Uh, what is it? I can Julio Questi. Julio, Julio If you look up any of his movies, including Django Kill or Death Laid an Egg or any of his other ones, the first thing you always see is, this is fucking weird. <laughs> that's a that's a fact. It's yeah, that yeah, is a fact. Yeah. He definitely yeah. had an odd sense of whatever it is. Yeah, and this may be back in the video. Well, let's get the movie started because it is two hours in there. I'm at. Uh, right at zero zero, and Mike is about two seconds ahead of me. So, here, let me. Catch up. Okay. I'm right, right We're at both the red at, fog. Right where the red fog uh, fades in. That's the best way to call it. Yeah. And this could be called, what year did this come out in? 67. 67. So this could be, if it came out in 1971 or after, could be considered a bastard child of El Topo. But instead, Actually, El Topo it, could be considered, what? Yeah, no, that's probably, it's probably the other way around, because the director yeah, of that El was, Topo was a bastard child of this. Yeah, he is a was a huge fan of spaghetti westerns, obviously, and I'm sure yeah. you and you you think somewhere along the ra- line he had seen a, a copy of this film. And get it right where it is, where it's faded into the fog, and we're getting ready in five, four, three, two, one, go. Gia cinematographia. With the great Thomas Milan. This is another one where the catchphrase for the poster became part of the movie. And already we have him rising from the dead, don't we? Right, right. And Mara Lucia, wasn't she in Django? No, she was not. She was in some other spaghetti westerns, but she wasn't in that one. But, you know, right away, you know, there's obviously this film is heavy, heavy with, you know, the the religious imagery. And, um, you know, right away we've get, you know, we're getting what I like to say is a, is a resurrection. You know, we knew we talked about this earlier, that he, how he's kind of the Christ figure. But, you know, he's res, being resurrected from the dead. And both of these Indian actors here, obviously, the, the um, English dub on on these two character actors, which neither one of them p- appeared in another film after this or before this, unless they were under a you know under an alias. But um, neither one of them, you, you know, the, the 
the dubbing is atrocious in the English version of these yeah. of this film. And but, it, uh, the other one appears. Little boots we'll get into. Hmm? Oh, right there, Voice of the Dead. They right. just look at him and say, "Voice of the Dead." That's right. automatically just putting him as you know. Yeah. Right. Right, and and that, and I think I, that's the thing about this film is is he you know and a lot of people this is you know the it's been argued forever is he dead or is he alive you know is he resurrected as he came back from the dead I believe he came back from the dead just like I believe in Django the Bastard which you know obviously uses and borrows a lot from this film I also believe that character comes back from the dead but. Django the Bastard makes it a little more obvious at the end when he, you know, disappears, you yeah. know, kind of just whoosh into a, you know, uh, fog or smoke. Yeah, look But he's coming out of smoke. Please. And then gold, and then he flashes back to the murder. Right. And this is where the, the editing gets really, really odd here. <laughs> Yeah. Which it, it has a few other moments of flashback like that. Which the editor was also the co-writer of this film, and as you can see him rubbing those, the um, rabbit's feet, rabbit tails, or whatever rabbit feet on him, is you know they're kind of using a shamanistic, you know, an Indian type of thing to ward and pull out the evil spirits because they believe that yeah. was what caused death. And that shot right and there what we have is, is someone rolling uh, backwards down a hill or whatever <laughs> really should tell you what the hell you're getting into. <laughs> yes. This was a legend on the tape trading scene, just on the bizarre scenes that you would see described in this catalog. You'd be like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. It, it, and, and you know, out of all the films, this one was, you know, because, you know, obviously with us having bent towards horror, this was the film ever, you know, that I know I wanted. And a lot of my other friends wanted, too, that may have liked spaghetti westerns, collected spaghetti. But this is the one that everybody shot for. Yeah. Well, especially this, the uncut version, which finally Correct, came yes. out legally from Blue Underground. And that's the first time the first I had seen it. out, which was... Uh, Campaneros, Django, right. uh, Django Kill, and Menagia. Right. And that's the first time I had seen it totally uncut with the scene, which we'll see eventually with the Oaks character, with the gold. But, um, yeah. yeah, I had seen it, and, and I had owned various copies of this film through the year, but I, years, and I had some ones that were, you know, this thing was cut, and it was, it was this 117 minutes originally. I don't know what this one is, but it's been cut so many times. 117 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, yeah, so much stuff cut, so much stuff added. It's become legend almost in this film that people think that, you know, that certain things were removed, certain things put in, you know, on some of these releases. Uh, it's hard to say, you know. I mean, you know, because there and is a scene that pops editing up. editing, too. Yeah, there's a scene that pops up at the end with the Indians, which we'll get into when we get into there, which lends a lot to that logic, or at least that, you know, theory of that. Now, that's Piero Lully, who was, you know, he was a classic bad man in these films, great actor, 
His brother was also a great character actor, uh, Fulco. Lully. And in case you're wondering, yes, Uncut, this is pretty much a horror film because it deals with very horrific imagery, like right there. Correct, correct. And Showing the body floating down the river. Yeah, and it's not, it's it's one of them films where there's a lot of Italian westerns that have horrific images in them, but this to me is a horror film because there's more than, you know, these there's a lot of horrific images in this film. I mean, you know, yeah. when we get further along here, we'll see more and more. But, yeah. you know, like Django, when he cuts his ear off, I mean, that's a horrific yeah. image, but I don't consider Django a horror film. Maybe horror imagery's in there, but... I mean, with both of these spaghetti westerns, you never, ever really got the audio dub. But the Italian one, which we're watching and we are begging to watch with it, is the uncut audio dub, which we'll really get into once a certain scene comes up, why this is important. Because the mm-hmm. language is a lot more harsh in the Italian version, too. Right. When when this came out in Italy, it ran for about, a, uh, I think, two weeks, right around that time. And then it was there was an uproar. It was pulled. It was cut from 117 minutes down to 95 minutes. You know, it eventually had a a U.K. release, and I believe there might have been a small release over here under yeah. maybe under Django Kill, or I think just under the Django Kill name. Yeah, Django but Kill they is both the infamous trailer that has, no, that's on DVD, and it's the only one that exists for this movie, that has no fucking footage from the movie. Right. Because... <laughs> They couldn't, uh, I mean, I can understand, but that should be really be a warning that that's how we pretty much knew that there's some very fucked up shit going on in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The fact that the but trailer not, would not show one fucking second of the movie. It, it was not, not, the film was not, and it was not successful anywhere it was released. It was, it, and just because of all the, the turmoil and Italy, you know, and it eventually, and then the other places it was released, it was just never, you know, it was never successful financially. Yeah. Like the Mexicans who get shot here are dressed in white and shot on white sand. Right. Right. And, and you know, this is, well, we'll, uh, we'll get into what, what I was going to say here, but, but you, you know, that's, it's, there is not a good character, in, there is not a good you know, wholesome or not wholesome. There's not even a good character in this film. No, you know, when it comes no. to, you know, they're all evil to a point. They all have their flaws, major flaws. Another film that kind of like that was, you know, and this goes with the Corbucci kind of the nihilism of the films. You know, like a, a film like Blackjack with Robert Woods also yeah. has a lot. You know, is the same way. There's not a good character in that. You, you know. So it's it's not a film that, that there's anything in there redeeming to a point. I mean, the the, yeah, I the mean, character this who film pulled, could have been called Django the Bastard and it would have fit. Correct, correct, very true. You know, they just wiped out a whole contingent of you know army officers. You know, so and, and that scene at that lake, 
was all that the a lot of this film was a lot of it was filmed around Madrid. Some of it, which when we get into the scene, was um, filmed around Golden City or in Golden City parts of it, which was the was the town that was used in um, a fistful of dollars. And I believe there was like sixty sixty eight yeah. or sixty nine films there. Westerns filmed there. And I do love that in most movies they wouldn't have had the villains be such bastards to the level of making them dig their own graves. <laughs> only, in a, only in Ita- only in a, an Italian Western. Western, yeah. Yeah, but that was kind of a, a, well, a staple to a lot of them movie, films. Hefco yeah, I mean, didn't make many films because all of his films were so freaking bizarre. Right. Like in his other big famous one, Death Laid an Egg, it's about a guy whose obsession in life is to make chickens that lay square eggs. <laughs> yeah, it's odd. You know, actually, um, he was when he was writing this film, he was he wrote this film along with. Um, his name um it it'll pop in here but when when they were film when they were writing they were actually writing death late an egg and they were approached to um um Arkeli, i think his name franco Arkeli, and they were writing death late an egg and somebody approached them and asked them to write and film a western for them in madrid i would guess that was probably the producer of this film but yeah um you know, so they were obviously in that odd turn right then, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, because Death Laid an Egg is one of the, odd, is one of the oddest films you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. And here comes another big point about everyone in this movie. They're stupid. <laughs> Not in a comedic way. They're just stupid. You know. Like they're screwing themselves by shooting the Mexican guy. And they've just now lost all their freaking horses. Good point. Good, very good point. But but these, I'm telling you something. If you see enough of these films, you know that they uh, they do a lot of stupid things in these films. You know. Yeah. I mean, I could I could list you probably a hundred films where they do absolutely stupid things. And, and what has always got me is the most villainous characters when they have a chance to kill off that. You know, the protagonist, oh, let's just tie him to a stake and let him, you know, the ants eat him. You know, yeah. when they're, the, when they're absolutely, you know, in a fistful of dollars, when Ramon shoots for the heart, you know, after you hit so many times in the heart, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to blow his fucking brains out. Well, they never do that. So, yeah. I mean, there is some stupidity in them, but there's also that, you know, you have to have that, you know. Ability to yeah, kind of overlook there things. There is a major point to the stupidity of all the characters in this movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And now we're back to the fire, and all he has is the scar. Well, I didn't have it is there's a scene where he uses the rabbit foot to draw the bullet out of his wound, but this is yeah, the kind see, of film that, even though it lives up to its legend, there were just so many legends about this before you get correct. it. Correct. Correct. And I've had, like, I've seen, been uh, on some. Yeah. 
Go ahead. You go ever ahead. see the Mario Van Peebles Western Posse? I have never seen it. Well, it has him nearly get killed by Billy Zane's crew after they uh, rob a gold shipment. And guess what? He gets gold bullets forged and shoots everyone that goes after the guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here comes when the shit gets really weird. Look, oh, yeah, this is got a naked little boy playing with the CP. Yeah, this is is weird here. Like I said, this is not the English version where the little girl is spitting in his face. In the Italian dub, you hear him go, you hear her go, right. It's it's just an odd construction, and and it's, you know, eventually you'll see it's kind of like hell on earth. It's it's again it's yeah. hell. You know, I, I've always looked at it that they're entering into hell here. You know, this is yeah, hell. It might be hell, hell on earth, hell. whatever you want to look at it, but it's hell. You know, and they're they're entering Actually, into something. Uh, Testo, it's another one of the legends. Wanted to have a shot where they seen the sign "Welcome to Hell" as they were going into town, <laughs> but they changed it to the last moment because they thought that it was too obvious. Right. I love that. Better than the desert, though. Even even God wouldn't stay here. So yeah. I mean, again, you and know, what the there's, hell is there's a, a lot of good in Spain. <laughs> and, and you know, I love I love this score. It's by um, um, Ivan Vador, and it was this is the only Italian western he he composed a score for. I think it's brilliant, but it get, does get repetitive after a while. But I, yeah. I mean, it's perfect for this film. I would be scared shitless if I walked into town and seen all that. Oh, I agree. And this was um, like the question. Said, this has got a very oppressive atmosphere to it. Oh yeah, it's definitely <laughs> it's there's horror there's horrific undertones in this no matter what. You know, and this is Questy's this is his directorial debut, and he was 42 at the time. Before that, he had been a journalist. You know, he had made documentaries, and he had actually been in an actor and appeared in I, you know, just a couple of films. I know he was in Fellini's. Um, one in, I can't remember which one it was. I think La Dole Suite, but um, yeah, like I said, they were working on this together, and you know, so you can Death Blade and Egg, you can see some things that were kind of picked and used from that, then put into here. This, you know, the weirdness is definitely carried over into this, and then you see the boy throwing there. That's Ray Lovelock, who became a pretty big um, Italian actor, and this is his film debut. Yeah, they uh, Lovelock tells a story on this DVD. If this is, if you got it, where he was uh, got cast in this movie because he was working in a band along with uh, the star. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's you're right. That's correct. Almost an experience. That is, you're right. That is correct. Now that's. That is correct. I have heard that, yes. He did have a band, yes. (laughs) 
and and this is uh, this is essentially if you look at it this is a fistful of dollars you know because it's the stranger you know eventually when he arrives here it's the stranger arriving in town between and there's opposing fractions in this town initially it's two but eventually it becomes three but this is you know this was taking something that was you know that had been done a hundred times now originally there was a, a treatment written for this by i can't remember the guy's name but he had written you know a story or treatment for it and when questy got a hold of it you know he decided to take everything and expand it you know let's push it to the limits as far as we can possibly go with it and a lot of it was fueled too by the fact that there was the way this was going was the money came in very slowly for this film from the producers so there was a lot of hostility and a lot of anger involved in this film and questy said after this film that he would never he had said everything he wanted to say about a, you know about an about a western that's why he never ever you know made another western yeah i mean look at the greed that appears in everyone's eyes as soon as they smell gold <laughs> yep yep gold fever And look how bizarrely the lips are, you know, in sync. Right. They think that they're in paradise. Right. And even this song, which I don't think it's going to show it on our, for some reason, it's a song about my town. You know, she's singing it's about it in this song. That's which why. Yeah, and it is. It's it's kind of foreboding to what's going on here. And there we go. We see our first um, muchacho. Yeah. There he is, the infamous uh, gay cowboys. One that's, of the gay that's, cowboys. That's, his name's his name's Willie and uh, Willie, and that's. Sancho Garcia, and he actually had a very, very big career as a television actor after his film career. Yeah. I mean, how obvious is it with all the frills and fanciness and the way he's riding his uh, horse like a woman? Mm-hmm. Well, see, the, Questy said that, you know, that they were modeled, you know, when, during World War Two. he fought against the you know the the black shirt the Mussolini black shirt the the uh, fascism you know and he was a <laughs> a uh, freedom fighter or whatever yeah. and you know he fought against them so he said a lot of stuff that he's seen in World War II were life experiences that he put in the, into this film and that's one of them they kind of symboli- symbolize you know the Mussolini black shirt fascist yeah you know he it's not too yeah, and when eventually when we see the character introduced here, which he'll be introduced here in a few minutes, the Zorro character, actually his house is a uh, it was or what a hacienda or whatever it's called is actually the uh, um, Villa Mussolini. Yeah. 
which was Mussolini's village estate, and um, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. And there's um, the one inside there you see a minute ago. That's uh, uh, Paco Sands, and he was in a lot of movies, <laughs> a lot of movies. Uh, he was the the Gabby Hayes type of character when he first started out in a lot of westerns. I know Seven from Texas he was in. Eventually, uh, you know, portrayed a lot of different characters. He was the colonel in a uh, pistol for Ringo and numerous other films. Had yeah. quite an extinct, uh, distinguished career as an actor. I love it. I mean, it's just so foreboding and creepy without even trying. Right. And what's funny is when he finally made a horror film, Death Laid an Egg, it's not creepy at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Absolutely it's, weird. All of his movies are very bizarre. Yes. He only made a, a couple of films. Yeah, uh, he did not well, make a lot. Look at I, this. He eventually went to uh, television and did a lot of work in television. Yeah, his television work is normal. Yeah, he only directed 19. Right there, that line. You know, it's kind of unnatural, black in here. Then another guy right. says, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> the one guy that picks up on it. <laughs> right, yes. And a lot of, too, like with these, you know, depending on where they were filmed and what they were using these characters for, a lot of them, you know, these guys could be, you know, because like around Madrid there was a lot of actors, you know, obviously with them being of uh, Spanish descent because, they, you know, they were Spanish, but a lot of them kind of had the characteristics of, you know, either uh, Mexicans, which, you know, you're prolific in these films, and then also some of them had to kind of resemble the Indians a little bit. So they would try to, you know, a lot of these people obviously were used and taken from those local areas because they had kind of quite a big contingent of people that, you know, they would hire for shoots, you know, for either yeah. background. And I mean, depending on where he got, got these Spanish hats, Spanish looks, but they got the Indian hairdos and everything. Yeah, and they've got like the um, the Revolutionary War jacket the one does. It's just kind of odd. Mm-hmm. But there's everything's odd in this film. <laughs> so. Yeah, just like this masker scene that comes out of fucking nowhere. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's just kind of bam. Which is another reason why it was hard to tell if you had an uncut print of this or not, because a lot of this stuff like this comes out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> it does. It does. That would be me right there in that situation. All them bullet holes would be in my back because I'd be running my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I ain't lying. Oh, I mean, yeah. Look, in there, I mean, this is the end of the fucking movie already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot of films when they kill off, you know, what should be the antagonist, you would think that would be the end of the movie. 
You know the but fact no, that he can kill these. Starting. Yeah, the fact that he can kill these people. You, you know, and and the, the film continue and still have you know some suspense and some you know to it is and the narrative still you know is held together. It's just that just shows you he was really masterful at this. Or else he was just getting the fuck the he's just getting the plot out of the way so he could talk about what interests him. <laughs> yeah, that's probably that's probably true there. <laughs> but you know, if you look at them, they're they're in a frenzy with this killing. You know, they're killing yeah, these you people, know what, and, and yeah, they're they in a love frenzy. the killing and they love the gold. Yeah. They get to be heroes. You know, these are bandits with a lot of gold. Bonus. You know. And I love this scene where, he, you know, he's going to hang him here. He takes his cigar, puts his rope around it, his neck, and then puts his cigar back in his mouth. I love you it. Know. God forgive you. They'll hang you all for this. Yeah. It reminds me of the bizarre, surreal hanging scenes in uh, Walter Houston's Judge Roy Bean. Right. Right. That's a good, yeah. You know, the son of a bitch, at least he did a good job. I hung pretty good. I got to thank him for that much. It's like we said, there is no good guys in this movie. And even the one innocent who's observing it all. Well, we'll see what happens to him later in the movie. Yeah, and he's, yeah, and he's not a, is, you know, he's got some issues also. And talk about fast-paced, we're already 27 minutes into the movie, and it seems like we just watched about 10 of it. Yeah, I agree. And, it, you know, I, I, the fact that they've got this, the Oaks character penned here, you know, is um, the fact that, you know, we're, we know this is about the time. You know, obviously we have to have some resolution with the Django character. And some yeah. friends, some of the Italian and Spanish prints, he was known as um, Barney of all of all names. And here's where the biggest damn cuts in the movie come with involving this section right here with Oaks. Mm-hmm. There we go. You're right. This was always a scene that you was like. Whenever you got on tape trading scene, you're like, oh, God, let it have the oak scene. Let it have the oak scene. Let it have the oak scene. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it really was a shock the first time you'd seen it. Oh, yeah. And, yes, we're being vague in case this is the first time. You can get the English dub of this on YouTube to watch with us. Right. So you can watch this. Yes. With us. Because I don't I'm know if sure. DVD's out of print or not. I'm sure it's out there floating around. I would think it's Blue Underground, right? Yeah. They that released it on very D- well, so I don't think that it would be an expensive route. I agree, yeah. Usually the Blue this Underground are. And Dango is the only one, well, Menagia, too, are the only ones not on Blu-ray. Okay. And I really can't see a big fuss being made over Menagia because there really isn't that much Maurizio Murley fans out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
Yeah, I, I think to a, a point, yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of the better late, you know, the Twilight Spaghetti's, but, you know, I'm I'm not sure how many people, like you said. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's fans of him just because of his police films, but. Yeah, but this and Django were the legendary titles. Yes, yeah, correct, yeah. I mean, look correct. how disappointed he is that he doesn't get to kill him. He's like, God right. damn it. And even he is horrified at the at the gruesomeness of their death. Right. But you know they had just wiped out, like I said, they had wiped just wiped out a whole battery of soldiers, and now you know the people that he had, you know that he had. Yeah, helped. look, no one goes out until money brought in. Really, that's right. the demon in this movie is money. Yeah, well, that's all the spaghetti. A lot of the spaghetti's is that you know the gold. You know, it's gold yeah, fever, and that's another thing you kind of take. Uh, a bad force rather than, you know, a, yeah. just a plot motivator. Yeah. And, of course, he's a stranger, which, you know, Clint Eastwood introduced. Now he's loading I his gold bullets in there. $200. I love the look on Oaks's face. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I've just seen a ghost. Yeah, and that's what he thinks. He thinks it's, you know, somebody that's came back from the dead because obviously, you know, they shot he him down to- and they figured, that, you know, that he's dead. Yeah. I'm in the school that he did come back from the dead. No, I, mean, I agree he with had you to totally. Take himself out of the grave, no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm, I totally agree with you. And I think this was Milan's third spaghetti western, I believe. I think he broke into yeah, the scene and his with first starring lady one, yeah. Role. Yeah, and he had started out with the film The Ugly Ones, also called The Bounty Killer, Bounty Hunters, Bounty Killers. And, you know, he was fantastic in that. And that kind of got him on the radar and made him a star. But this yeah. this film didn't help out a lot. But, you know, then he did Death Sentence, where he kind of went, got into one of them character, you know, acting roles, you know, where he plays a white albino. And then, yeah, you know, the obviously from there. Yeah, the one that really brought him all over the top is, We've done it on this show, and that's the big gun down. Correct, yeah, Run Man Run, the big gun down. Yeah, that's when he started really. Run Man Run, well, that was the one that took him into being a hero of the revolution, as they say. Right. Because the theme song from uh, Run Man Run was a top ten hit in Italy, and Run Man Run was a very, very big hit. Right. And you know what gets me about this scene is, is Oaks is firing him at him over and over and over again, and he can't hit him. But when he was out there shooting out the window, he could pick them guys off. I mean, you know, yeah. so it just goes to say that you know, is he dead or is he alive? You know, and that's to me that kind of shows me that he's, you know, that he's he's alive or dead and has came back from you know the the grave. Yeah. 
you want your gold? Here, take it. <laughs> oh, and about how the gold gets liquid from dust, it don't work that way. <laughs> Does it? No. <laughs> there comes Zorro. Oh, and here comes the scene. And there it is, right. the gay cowboys. And his name's Zorro, obviously, yeah. and there was a Zorro character. You know, they do yeah. use gold bullets, which, you know, the Lone Ranger used silver, silver. bullets. So it's kind of, you I know, him that taking... little tiny small sombrero. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love it, Dig. Right here, dig the bullets out. And if you watch the cut print, Oaks vanishes from the film right now. Right, yeah. Don't know what goes on. Uh, uh, Robert, um, Roberto Carmadell there, he was a a fine actor. Did a lot of kind of doctor type of roles. And eventually, to me, this is his best um, role in a spaghetti western, but he was in a lot of them. Like I said, yeah. he started out playing We're kind of the doctor. Because we have a gay cowboy eating an apple. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sorrow. And I think this is an important scene, too, is the fact that, you know, he's trying to wash, you know, his sins away. And he cannot get a, you know, he can't wash them away. can't wash the blood away like in yes. uh, Macbeth. Right. He sort of baptizes and, himself. And in this scene, this when they introduce this, I think it's Elizabeth. When they introduce that character, it's almost like the Marcel character from um, A Fistful of Dollars, you know, kind of also locked away. But obviously, we'll see how this Elizabeth character. Yeah, is, and look, the cowboys <laughs> are looking down on him because he has their deaths and the Mexicans' deaths on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, somebody, if they wanted to, they could sit and dissect this film piece by piece by piece. But there's so much going on in this film. You know, the the two mules that just rode, ran through there. What was the meaning yeah. behind all that? You know, it's just, there's just, I, I don't know if he just did it for odd touches or, you know, he was, it was trying to be symbolic. I, I don't know. Well, why the fuck is there was there a hedgehog in the town? And not True. only that, why the fuck was it a three-legged hedgehog with a bad leg? True. Right. And what right. the hell is that shit that she's doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's another reason why this movie is so... And where did these Indians come from? Yes. And this scene right here is yes. the, was the Holy Grail scene. That is a fact. Damn. I mean, that is pretty nasty for 1967, you have to admit. You can see why it was cut out. I mean, this is yeah. almost like a, this is like almost an H.G. Lewis film, if you think about it. Well, this scene is definitely. 
Yeah, and it's almost got a kind of a bullets inside of him. It's almost kind of got that, you know, um, 2000 Maniacs kind of insanity to it. You know what I'm saying? With the townsfolk who are insane and the cold fever, bloodthirsty, and well, not blood, and obviously dead. Yeah, obviously dead, just like them. Gold thirsty. Right, which would have been based on Brigadoon, but. Yeah, this one and this movie, they're gold thirsty. Yes. And, and it's. And if you and, really and, look at Italy in the whole film, that's, you know, oh my God, that is just so nasty. And Questy, and Questy was, you know, I think he was just trying to take. I mean, look. Like I look. said, he's. He took everything and just pushed it to the this limit. This is like something on the night of the goddamn Living Dead now that they found out he's got gold in him. <laughs> and it's uh, it's Questy trying. He's taking and expanding everything. He's taking everything and pushing it to the limits. You know, he's, Corbucci had done it with um, Django. I mean, he had stretched it as far as he possibly could, but he stepped in here in '67, which Django was '66. And just took it tenfold, you know. And I, he tried to stretch it to where it couldn't come back again. Yeah. See? Right there. Gold is a sure way to kill a man. That scene is cut, and I can understand why. That's a nasty, nasty, brutal little scene. Right. And now we're into the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it now you you're right. Emilian was uh, I mean he's such a fine actor too, you know. I mean he I heard he was a handful, you know what yeah. I'm saying, but he was really a really a great actor. Remember, right before he died, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Traffic. Right, right. Which he should have won just because of fucking Thomas Midon, but hey. (laughs) Even Franco Nero admits that he was jealous of him on Campaneros and the Mercenaries. Correct, yeah. And And he thought that Corbucci was giving him more screen time and showing him more, you know, more favoritism, yeah, and that kind of drove a, a wedge between them two. Well, it's true. I mean, by that time, Nero was uh, on the wane, mm-hmm. and Milan was still the hot guy. Right. And they did, and, and um, he cook, hooked up with him a few times there. I mean, they did. Um, um, up to Compañeros, they did um, Sonny and Jed together, and they did that yeah. god awful um, red, blue, yellow, red, whatever it was, with Eli Wallach and I can't remember what the name of that is. There's, yeah. Well, it was a lot better than the one that he did with the guy from Trinity. Oh, god damn. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I mean, yes, people, 
Super Fuzz was directed by Sergio Corbucci. I know some of the. It's I know. Up. A lot of now Bruno directed a bunch of them also. His brother Bruno Corbucci directed Milian in a, in a bunch of films. Yeah. I know they hooked up I mean, in on all the the Cop and Blue Jean films. All I think five of those. Yeah. But those were good. Yeah, they were good. They were formalistic, and they were where, the same uh, thing over Milan and over. Got to show comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And he got that to be able to wear them wigs and that, you know. Yeah. There he is, washing his hands again. You can't atone for your sins, bud. Yeah, it's you can't. You can't wash the blood off your hands. No. And he takes the headband off. He's slowly becoming the Jesus character more in look. <laughs> right. See? You know, you know, even this Flory character, Marilu Tillo, she—they're all despicable characters. I mean, even the female. I mean, yeah. See, he signed his name with a cross. Yes. In the English version, they actually say he signed his name with an X, which don't mean shit. Right. <laughs> right. And you know, they're actually. Living in a, um, you know, in a union here, they're not even married, which back then would have been quite risky. Funny, how you can tell now? I can tell the easy difference between uh, movies dubbed by Mickey Hargitay and done by someone else. (laughs) You mean Mickey Knox? Mickey Knox, yeah. Yeah. One's dubbed by Nicky Knox. Makes sense. That's it. <laughs> they don't a lot miss of bad ones. Hot. <laughs> there, there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad ones. You know, the, with the English dubs. And you know, here they go. These two. You know, they're fighting over. And just classic Italian westerns. Nobody's yeah, ever happy. Yeah, this one they're fighting over. Here it is. He's like, no, you take the extra bag. No, you take the extra bag. Yeah. God damn it, I wouldn't have got it without you. You take the extra bag. Yeah. That's this movie. Everyone else would be like, I want the extra bag. I want the extra bag. Correct. They're fighting who's the more magnanimous of the two. <laughs> right. See, fear yeah, of only, God. Only in here. See, here they're bringing up God more now. Yes. You know, and there they go. They're starting, you know, calling names, and they're starting to fight over it now. Look at her. She's about to have an orgasm right there. <laughs> she is. You're right. Over and there gold. he is again, observing. Right. Which is the worst Always. thing you can do in this movie. Yep, and they look at them. They're you know they're all peeping and looking, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people peeping, a lot of people you know looking. 
I mean, that looks like a scene from a porno, doesn't it? It does. They're moving right. their hands like that, and then her just going, oh, yes. oh. It's all about the gold. And him, he's just. And when Evan starts tearing this up, I mean, this this could be taken out of a horror film, a giallo. Oh, God, yeah. Mario Bava's Lisa and the Devil. Yes. Frustrated. Mm-hmm. And him, what's the only thing that he can remember? This is the gothic section of this movie. This is straight out of a Mario Baba guy. All he's seeing is his sins. Yes. And still washing, trying to tone and wash away the sins. Yeah, so he is definitely in hell. He is. Or he's in purgatory. You know, he's in between. Uh, he's in his own personal hell. He is. And I see the interiors were shot in Helios and in Rome and in these studios in Madrid. And you can tell, you know, the films that were filmed in Spain, you know, as compared to the films exterior-wise, you know, as, yeah. as opposed to the films that were filmed in, you know, Italy and around in Italy, you know, obviously once the early 70s came around, you know, when the money started getting tighter and tighter and tighter, there'd be more and more films trying to, you know, rather than take a crew to Spain, a lot of them started to try to do them right within, you know, right in Italy. I mean, there were still films being made in Spain, but not, you know, it died, got lower and lower and lower every year. And, you know, like Golden City, Almira, you know, they eventually, you know, they would just, it was just a fraction of what they had seen during the, you yeah. know, the highlight or, or the uh, the gold rush years. Pepsi was definitely with this one, one of the first ones, like Corbucci, to try not to ape Leone's look. Yeah. Yeah. He, they're borrowing, they're using the same old, you know, like I said, the tropes, you know, the stranger walking into a town in between two warring fractions yeah you know and there's so much else but it's it's you're right it's it's just like uh Django you know he's they're not using you know they're they're taking it a different direction you know and it's like I've I've said a million times you know there's just so many ways you can go with a western you know there's only so many you know so when it comes to that, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, they're all going to have some points to a point, you know, the same points, because it's inevitable. Yeah. I mean, for a Western. I mean. Well, as we said before, when we were talking about your book, there are basically were three eras of Westerns. There was the Leone era, uh, the comedy era. There was 
the, 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 there was, you know, the, there was the Zapata Westerns. Yeah, Zapatas. Yeah. And there were films like this one which didn't fit in any of them. But that's what yeah, we talk it, it, about these, you know. It, it can, it could still probably be technically put into the, you know, the, like I said, the the stranger walks into town, you know, yeah. and it, it, oh. it, it was, it was, it was the the stranger walks into town between the two warring fractions. It was yeah. the historical elements, which eventually they started out that way, you know, with a lot of films trying to ape, you know. Um, there was the Billy the Kid character. There yeah, was the uh, Pat Garrett character, Buffalo Bill. Yeah. So there was if quite a few of them. If you any of them, this is definitely a Zapata Western with a heavy religious angle mixed in like El Topo. But yeah, it's got definitely got a little El, El, El Topo. Topo. Yeah, it definitely was. You know, and and it's, you know, if you look at it like this, okay, the 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 two gangs we've got actually got three you know because eventually they've splinter between templar um um uh, zorro's or sorrow depending on on um which oh, yeah. yeah whichever one you you know you have and also the templar or templar i already said templar didn't i who was the other one in there the templar look at this they're asking like that's another obvious thing that he's died, you know. Mm-hmm. There's Frank Brana there. He doesn't have much of a part in here, does he? Had a nice career. But what I was saying, going to say is, is you, you know, you have the three gangs eventually. You you have Hagerman, Templar, and then eventually Zorro. The three, you know, you have the Gold Angle, which of course. You, you know the or gold cash whatever which you, you know uh, a fistful of dollars had you know you have the the rent revenge plot you have the stranger you can almost like you said there's some zapata in there um yeah. there's a you know he has professionals which the, you know the red the black shirted muchachos could be considered professionals there's quite a few double crosses in here uh, there's the yeah. old young you know component with Evan yeah. and, and um, uh, Django, um, you know, there's yeah. the gang dynamics and all these, you know, with, yeah. you know, like, in each uh, one. This thing right there with the whole thing, uh, that was a parody of what you would they would consider, because usually instead of this, them running out of town with the horses and just running like that. You would see the main guy just shoot them all down just to prove that he is manhood. <laughs> the Milan character doesn't have to prove his manhood in this movie. You know, he's he's the only, like I said, eventually he becomes honestly the only sympathetic figure in this. You yeah, know, you can feel a little bit for the Evan character, but honestly, well, he's the, the only character Indians. with. Yeah, true, true. But then again, you could say that they're Milan's conscience, and they're right. the only one who knows exactly what the hell's going on. Yeah. Like them asking them what it's like to be dead. Yeah. 
But even then, here we go, the Indian characters. Oh, no, it's him. Oh, yeah, and his thing with the gay cowboys. And why do I keep referring to them as gay? Because of an infamous line that Gui Testa said... He's like, why did you have the fascist dressed in black and act gay like that? And he screamed to the interviewer, sorry about this, quickly in court moment, because the fascists are faggots. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh... That's how subtle he is with some of his points in the movie. That's, well, yeah. this is not a subtle movie, is it? <laughs> no, it is not. And and you can see how this thing, it it offends ever, a lot of, you know, it offended quite a few people, and you can see why. I mean, yeah. you know, whether it be the religious, you, you know, the obviously the, the, the homosexual angle and the derogatory towards them, you know, the Mexicans, you know, they're calling them no motherless Mexicans, you know, the racism. I mean, it's got a, everything to offend, uh, you know, just about anybody possible. Well, look what happened to Pasolini when he offended the fascists. True. The fascists were someone you did not fuck with because they were in total control of Italy back then. Right. So everything that would connect them to the fascists were pretty much removed from this movie. Another reason why it's cut down 30 minutes. See, right. And the way he talks about it, my boys. Yeah. Fathers have a strong love for their sons. Our handsome young guests. I hate to admit, but that does look good. Not the way they cut it up. And no, that's a lot of shit. And there's there, another. If if that whole scene, the way they got dug the gold out of the guy, wasn't in the movie, that that little bit right there wouldn't have made any sense, would it? Right. Yeah. True. Duran, see, they're cutting him up the same. They cut up the pig the same way they cut up the guy for gold. Like animals. Pretty much shows him as the devil right here, doesn't it? Yeah, he's trying to trying to bring him over to his side for sure. Yeah, bring him over to his side. If you haven't seen this before, or haven't coming in, yes, you will be horrified by this. You're like, what the hell? I thought this was gonna be another western where they just shoot up people. <laughs> 
this is straight out of a cannibal. I mean, look, he knows what's coming up for his ass. <laughs> Don't he? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> I mean, oh, here we Yes, there we are. Gay cowboys eating bananas. Now, this also gets a little funny here with the, you know, this probably shows it is about as low as they as this thing can possibly go when these characters are fighting over you know obviously the life of the the son and it it doesn't just stop here between uh, Hagerman and um Templar it also when Templar goes back and and talks to Flory it just goes kind of shows you where all these yeah. characters are at you know yeah that boy's fucked in more yeah. than one way. Yeah, the, now you know just how despicable these characters are. Yeah, these are some of the... These are, they're scummy characters living in a scummy town. Yeah, yeah. And they're all they're all despicable. I mean, like I said, it's, it's Django becomes the only character, you know, that, that has... Any redeeming values, Evan, a little bit, but you know, obviously, he has some uh, character flaws also. Well, if you notice, even in the credits, uh, they don't give Milan's character a name. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the same uh, stranger Testa's, thing again. I think Testa said his preferred title for this is "If You Live, Shoot." That's correct. Yes. Yes. Which is an odd title if you think about it. Yeah. It's one of them classic but Italian no, Western honestly, titles. This became part of what we call Django exploitation. Well, they would take any movie and put Django on it because they know that people would go see Django, especially in fucking Germany. That's correct. Yeah, in Germany it almost became like it's a West, it's an Italian Western. You know, no, it's a Django. You know, it's Django. So it was almost, you know, when a film was released with Django, it was almost, you know, they would release some odd films, you know, films that hadn't, you know, that had played and crapped out and be re-released under, you know, there's one called Django the Condemned, which was uh, a film from 65 or 66 with, with George Montgomery, which is an awful film. Um, so they would even try to bring films back, you know, and, and the, the Marietta film with um, Jeffrey Hunter was re-released as a Sartana film. So they would try to re-release them, you know, just to capitalize on the, the name, honestly. Yeah. And it's what's interesting about this scene with this drinking here is, you know, this was almost very similar to a, there was another scene where there was, there was a drinking was involved in Requisite, which was, uh, Mark Damon and Luke Castell, and it kind of has a similar scene to this one where the drinking and, uh, you know, the shooting. I love it. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm fucked. <laughs> he resigned himself to his fate. That's just damn. Yep. <laughs> And every shot of him is for, you know, 
And you seen another shot like this in Unforgiven where it doesn't show Clint Eastwood really becoming the evil, mean son of a bitch until it shows him grabbing that bottle of whiskey and started drinking it. Yeah, true. I love it. They're all looking like, yeah, we know what's up. In a normal you know, spaghetti a- western, this is when he would take out his gun and kill all these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with six bullets, he'd call- kill all 24 of them. They didn't care. As drunk as You're he right. is. Like in all of the movies in the 70s, like Superfly, where he does all that coke, but he's still able to function normally. You made the right choice. <laughs> Cheer up, boy. <laughs> They're very subtle, aren't they? Yes, indeed. I mean, how many times have you seen in these spaghetti westerns where just mothers go to town on booze and they're <laughs> still able to function? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one, yeah well, gets, it's, what? it's that super, super type of hero thing again, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you know, they were... They were, you know, they could drink the most. They, physically, they could take a beating and, you know, hand out a beating. It was, it was that... Um, um, peplum or a, a sword and sandal type of things where the, the figures were almost mythical, you know, and uh-huh. even these, even these films would take, you know, characters and the, you know, how they were, could recuperate after a beating in like five minutes, how they could learn uh-huh. how to shoot in five minutes. It's a lot of these films were, you know, a little, you know, further uh-huh. taken, but they were kind uh-huh. of like the, the sword and sandal films. Uh-huh. Oh, they got the shirt tied up with a knot. And I love that last look on his face. Well, like, I'm glad it's not me. (laughs) And they don't show it, but what he does can really much confirms it. Right. And another way it subverts the normal trope, you would expect him to kill some of them before they kill him. Right. What does he do? 
all everything always leads to more blood on his hands. Right. And, you know, if, if you notice all these films, too, you, you know, Fistful of Dollars, it's always about them wanting, you know, the, the stranger to join their gang. Yeah. And he's trying to press it. him into, obviously, into a different gang than all the, you know, than the Rojos or the Baxters. Yeah. I mean, I love this. They... After what they did to him, they're like, well, he's a man now. He accepted his fate. (laughs) He took it like a man. (laughs) Frank Branagh. And Templar, what is a tent? What was a Templar? Uh, well, weren't the Templars in the in the Blind Dead? <laughs> yeah, they were a religious sect. Another right. religious sect. Right. Sorrows or the Penitents. The Templars. What's the third gang's called? Well, it's it's Hagerman. Yeah. Like I said, you can just dissect this whole freaking movie, which yeah, we've partially done, but we're sticking to the surface. But we can watch this film three times and talk about it for two different, three different times and have three different stories. Like, yeah, look where the, the boy's gunshot is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the spear in the side, like. Jesus, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. And, you know, <clears throat> Questy had said that, you know, that he didn't insert any religious imagery into it, which is baloney. Bullshit. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that's bullshit. You're right. There's a lot of it. Even with the core, you know, even with that thing around, you know, Django's head, which is essentially to me is a, a, is a crown of thorns. And him keep trying to wash his hands. Yes, yeah, and there'll be a scene eventually later, too. I mean, and everything just keeps getting, you know, and it was a shot coming up here in a minute, which gets, you know, it just, it never, you know, it just keeps getting more, you know, uh, disturbing as they go. Yeah. This could be thinking, Jesus versus the moneymakers. 
Right. And when he grabs a scene here and then puts it in this guy's eye, you know, it's like... Wonder why they don't chase him down in the street and put a bullet in his and <laughs> him like they did all the other ones. Cause you don't fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> That's a fact. They well they were going to there. And they're cowards. Hey, we're gonna shoot him in the back, yeah, absolutely. No, no, there's too much wickedness. Even the devil even the evil have their limits, you know. Right. And plus, they knew that he was right. And, and, you know, if you look at this, too, you you know, each person that Django's stayed with so far, you you know, has ended in sorrow. You know, you are willing to, you know, Templar's son, uh, Zorro, you know, we'll we'll get to all that, and eventually Hagerman, too, here. But everywhere he goes, it's kind of like he's bringing, you know, sorrow to him, with him. And causing distress. Yeah, and there she is with force symbolism with the cage. She's like a bird right. in a guilty cage. Yes. And there's our quasi um religious man who's not really a religious man. I mean he's a blasphemy, you know, constantly. And there's the third devil. Correct, yes. And you notice they date the more into the movie we get, the more he looks like Oak. <laughs> you notice that? Oh, he's getting changing, ain't he? Yeah, his facial hair and everything. He looks just like a de- Oaks. <laughs> and, and, you know, let's face it, I mean... I think he started out for a quest for the gold, but now it's to the point of what is he still doing in town? He you know what I'm saying? They just said. Yeah, I mean, he he's seeing for some reason he's there. He's staying through all of this to the end. You know, he could ride off at any time and leave all this. You know, obviously the gold, yeah. but in, in the end, you see that really the gold doesn't matter to him anyways. Yeah. He's there because he's supposed to be, and he doesn't know why, right. and he's trying to find out why. Yeah, he's, yes. He's, well, basically, and then he's trapped there. And to here's one of the most weirdest sex scenes I've ever seen. Too many nice things in that shithole. Everybody wants Jesus on their side. 
that's usually the right. main thing, you know. Right. How many times you know, have you seen was... in a war where they talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. God is on their side? God is on their side. And, and, you know, that's probably a lot of what this film is, is to a point is where is God? You know, where is God yeah. when all this is going on? You know, it's, it, you know, obviously with, you know, there was a lot of religious suppression and, you know, in Italy and Spain, you know, because of the Catholic Church. And there was obviously yeah. some friction between the government and, you know, and the Catholic Church against, you know, a lot of the people that were felt that they were oppressed to a certain point. So yeah. a lot of it's, you know, this mask here, but it's here. See, the scandal between him and his wife is a Catholic one. Right. And and obviously she has some issues, you know, which we'll find out. But, you know, she's another character, which I guess to a point she's she's not guilty of anything except for being, you know, having, you know, she's obviously, which we'll see, but she's got a couple of issues also, which they're more, you know, psychological issues. Yeah, unlike, yeah, they're always this, this movie. Unlike most spaghetti westerns or westerns, period, their psychological issues are what runs the character rather than, you know. Yeah, and and the, and the characters all, you know, are at least they're 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 fleshed out characters no matter how despicable they are they are fleshed out characters each character yeah. you know a lot of italian westerns you don't get you know you get characters who are paper thin you know even a lot of the heroes or anti-heroes are paper thin characters but in this film yeah. you know they are essentially fleshed out as evil as they are they are fleshed out characters well, look how easy it Well, look at the hero, the so-called hero characters of uh, Leone's films. They're not really mm -hmm. characters. Right. I mean, they have names, but that's about it. Right, And Charles right. Bronson, in Once Upon a Mind America, he doesn't even have a name. He's just Harmonica. Right. Right. And, you know, a lot of it just has to go with, like I said earlier, is, you know, there was just so, only so many directions you could take a Western. So it, it's yeah. just, a lot of this and is how just, you know. And how Edgar Allan Poe-ish is her character. Right, yes. And that's another horror element. I mean, this her whole character art is straight out of an Edgar Allan Poe movie or story. Right. Follow the House of Usher. Yes, it's got a lot of similarities in there, absolutely. Like, he probably let her go to kill him. None of these people want, none of these main guys want to get their hands dirty. So they use 
their sons, their wives, their henchmen, you know. And they all, and they do it like when you know they do it in the name of God, or they do it in the name of justice. Yeah, they hide behind the shields. Yes. And as far as I know, I don't believe that you know that that um there is there even a sheriff in this film. I don't believe there is. No. Is there? There's not even a sheriff in the film, so there's no actually no tech, no law, no it law. It's just the law of of the town, of the citizens, you know. And obviously, this is pretty much a ghost town with a few people living here. I bet it was a boom town for a moment, but the boom's over. Right. You know. Like all yeah, them talking it, about, I waited my whole, like the doctor, I waited my whole life to find gold, and now I've finally done it. Right. Yeah, true. And, you know, they, the films like uh, Kill the Wicked and Madela, they used the ghost town, you know, the creepy kind of ghost town type of vibe is the, like this film. Yeah. Oh, Metallo is definitely a riff on this film. It's yes, another it acid western. When I say acid, not like Carl says, I say it like L.S. fucking D. <laughs> <laughs> it's another trippy one that's sadly hard to find. Yeah, I think didn't I think Wild East released it, but that's that's probably long. Well, that, I know that's long, long out of print, and pr- very expensive. But it is, yeah, Anything it is. Anything Wild which, East does is great and very, very, very expensive. Yeah, that any other early Wild ones. East, when they released Django Kills, the insert scenes were from a low, low-quality print. Yeah. This DVD right here was the first time that we had ever we had a high-quality print of the uncut version. Right. Right, Notice yes. he deals with her, his hands are tied by, he keeps his hands behind his back. Mm-hmm. You can really put her as Mary Magdalene if you really want to get into the Jesus. Yeah, you could, you're right. And look at the bizarre shots he uses in this. He uses a lot <laughs> through the whole film. Yeah. Just let's hey, they're naked in the bed. Let's do folks kiss on their knuckles. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know why he didn't go, you know, a little bit further because it isn't like he didn't, you know, like he didn't think that once they were digging that gold out of the bodies that there wasn't going to be some issues. So why not a little nudity? Well, because, I mean, he got he got away with what he could. And even then, he didn't get away with it. 
Right, true. Yeah, it it lasted for a week in Italy, like I said, but or two weeks even. But yeah, they caught him. And the fact that it actually ran that way is pretty amazing. The fact that where he hides the gold shows what he cares of. True, true. And and you know a lot of these films would, you know. The, Eventually, like when the early 70s came around and, and nudity became a little more, you know, prevalent in these films, it would actually be, I know, yeah. like a film, you know, there was some nudity. There was not a lot of nudity in these films. So, but there was all, you know, every once in a while you'd see some. But like a film like um, A Gunman of a Hundred Crosses with Tony Kendall, there's a lot of nudity in that. And there was a lot of scenes cut. And also, um, Black Killer had some full frontal nudity in it, which, you know, was weird yeah. for these films. You know, and, but it became a little more prevalent. prevalent. What was that? Showing them desecrating the body. Right. I love that shot. It's just this alienness. There's like pure weirdness, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's just there's just fucking gorgeous shots that just show up. Like, hey, look, I'm beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The cinematography on this thing is very, very nice. Very well done. And how well much done. fun this guy's having just throwing sheets and everything around. This yeah. guy's like, I enjoy my fucking yacht. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're starting to rip each other, you know what I mean? turning on each other like rats all over the gold it's always about the gold you know, no matter how much they got if they got five hundred thousand dollars and there's two of them you can bet that one of them's going to try to kill the other one to get the whole thing for themselves a girl <laughs> and she takes her slap like a man would <laughs> see even Milan's laughing with us about that <laughs> yes he was wasn't he <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's like, yeah, you got the joke. All right. <laughs> I agree. That would be the easiest way to kill him. Yes. Well, if he would have killed him. Well, he's not a super god shot like in most of these movies. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a fact. You're right. Or he was really didn't want to kill him. Maybe he's finally done with all the killing. You know, this time is the one time he doesn't wash his hands. Her savior. He didn't kill her. He saved her life this time. He saved the life this time. Yes, finally, yes. This is when he really becomes full Jesus. Mm hmm. God damn half. Look how yellow, how emasculated he is now. Well, he took his slap like a woman. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like I said, he's blasphemous. I mean, he's, you know, he's preaching all these biblical quotes, and, you know, he's supposedly a man of the Bible, yet, you know, yeah, when it comes he's to gold and... Now. Yeah. That's one thing about in this movie, they never. That's one thing about the Leone films. They always check and see if there's bullets in the gun. (laughs) (laughs) And that's been used quite a bit, too, is the burying of the, the gold in the body. I know it was. The Hellbenders, right? Where it was, they were transporting a body with a, or a casket with the gold in it. Yeah, it has been done. Obviously, the Leone films had the uh, the good, the bad, the ugly had the, the gold buried in a cemetery plot. Yeah, Arch Stanton. Hmm. Or unknown. Right. Or next to. Hey, the next town to Arch drunk. Stanton. <laughs> That's it's a little touch there, isn't it? An odd, another little odd touch. The town drunk dragging behind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
I have lost given you the power to walk on serpents and scorpions to withstand the light of the adversary, whatever they may be. Jesus Christ, that's not <laughs> kind of a religious thing. You'd read a future. I give you the power to walk through hell, you know. And this explains the plot for the Son of God became not here to be served, but to serve you. He gave his life so you may live. Right. And that's and that's an, uh, another grave we see that was buried for you know this time for another innocent character, which he may have been even though he had some flaws, he's probably the only innocent character, and they're burying him. Well, the wife's innocent too, but she knows exactly what's up. Yeah, she's vindictive, and she's definitely you know she's yeah I agree. No, I mean the one that uh, Miller. Oh yeah, Hagerman. But but, but she's got some look. issues too, which we'll see at the end. She's got a little thing with uh, uh, um, flames. <laughs> yeah. Burn, baby, burn. That's a fact. And another what we had talked about earlier, Poe, with the fall of the house of the usher. Which is, you know, the the movie Blackjack also uses at the end. It's got a little bit of a uh, fall of the House of the Usher vibe to it, also. Yeah, I mean, really. If you think about it, if you if you look at Hagerman there a little bit, or Olderman, whatever he is in this one, he kind of almost you would think looks similar to a little bit of a Vincent Price, don't you think? Yeah, Vincent Price is like a Vincent Price and Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. How come they didn't get it and he did as soon as he seen the pillows? That's a good <laughs> that's a good question. It probably took a conniving mind, I would think. But he's stupid because if he had looked there, he would have seen there was golden in their gun. Yeah. And if you notice, uh, Milan's character in this movie does not is not an action character. He's a reactor. Because right. he sent the guys over there. They got killed. Mhm. And because he left his gun there, well, we're seeing what happens. Right. He sets the pendulum in motion. He doesn't React to the pendulum. There you go, double cross. I love it. The only thing he takes in the house is the cigar. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even look for the gold. No. Yeah, he could make off with the gold now. Cause, well, he, you know, he threw it out the window, obviously, but yeah. I, I don't know if he thought that Hagerman took it or... or well, he probably figured he would. 
Yeah. There's more gold bullets. Still finding them. And, you know, honestly, there was not, you know, you would think that there would be a lot of, you know, when when this genre kind of got tired, you know, in, in the 68, 69 range, you would yeah. think that they would try to, you know, make an actual flat-out horror western. But they never did try it. I mean, this or Django the Bastard would be the two closest in my book. You well, know that they actually the tried. I mean, uh, Garko and uh, Kinski, the uh, yeah, Gallo. that's true. The uh, the the Sartana film, the Price of Silver. The, well, not the Sartana. Yeah, one. yeah, Price and then also the Sartana film with the um, I Am Your Paul Bear. Oh Kill yeah, the, Wicked the first was, two uh, Sartana films where they went to the James Bond angle. Right. He was pretty much right. the and, angel of. Well, wasn't one of them even titled I Am Sartana, Your Angel of Death? That is correct. Yeah, the second one, I believe, yes. Yeah, and the first one was Have a Good Funeral, My Friend Sartana is Paying. Yeah, and there would be other ones like the the film Ride for a Massacre with Peter Lee Lawrence had a, um, had a, um, a scene at the end where after the families massacre each other, the, um, the, uh, the death, the figure of death walks around the battlefield. Um, Kill the Wicked, like I spoke of earlier, with Matalo. Matalo was a remake of Kill the Wicked, which was set around a um, ghost town and had some, you know, ghostly uh, things happening. Duel yeah. in the Clips was kind of had the supernatural vibe to it. The Masked Thief, um, yeah. a town called Hell, also had some kind of. And, and there was a lot of films like Vendetta at Dawn, Choo Joe, Choo, um, Cutthroat Nine that were kind of. Or, you know, to a point because they just they were horrific type of stories. Oh, you know, violent Cutthroat stories. Nine is a nasty, brutal splatter. It is. Western. Yeah. Yeah. But Shoot the, the living, pray for looking, the dead. Yeah. The two that were you, the ones that were in the U.S. that are good are uh, uh, Grave of the Vampire, which is an underrated one from the fifties. You've seen that one, right? Right, yeah, but it's been years, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eyes of Fire. Mm hmm. And Grim Prairie Tales. Right, yeah, I like Grim Prairie Tales, yeah. It's been a while, but you're right. Yeah. And those shows and, and, you know, are hard just to make a good one because you have to have the perfect balance of. Western, and yeah, it's not been done. You know, Bone Tomahawk was damn good, but you, you know, it's not been. You're right; it has not been done very well. I mean, and, and I just, you know, I think to a point, it's one of them things where, you know, it's kind of sacrilegious to a point because you know the westerns are such vaunted in people's minds, and you know, to a point, they didn't want to try to do anything that would, you know, that. 
you know, to put any shame to them, I guess, to a point. That's why they, you know, or, or take away from the Americanization of them because, I mean, they hated the, the spaghetti westerns in the 60s and 70s, you know, and the majority of people. Yeah, it's like I said, that really show. if you want to see the split between old America and new, Oh, this scene was cut for most prints. Right, the scalping scene, that's correct. Yeah. And that's straight out of freaking H.G. Lewis there. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah, it's a pretty gruesome scene. And this was cut out of a lot of films. Not a lot of prints. Yeah, this was the first major restoration to the... (laughs) Oh, fuck. (laughs) I'm sorry, but that was beautiful. Didn't you think? (laughs) Showing the guy get scalped in, showing the ball guy rubbing his head. Yeah, rubbing his head like, oh, I'd love to have that hair. Yeah. And even then, he's got blood on his hand. More blood yes. on his hand. It's like while he had the gold bullets in the gun, he was protected. Now. Right. Yeah, a vampire, werewolf, you know, kind of sort of thing. Yeah. But the one, The Price of Silver, if you like Jalos and you haven't seen it, it's a damn good one. Right. I wish they would have done more Garco in that terms with him as the white traveling detective. Mm-hmm. Well, then by then, that was the, the genre was slowly dying by then, and there was just not a lot of money to be made. So, you know, they to take a risk... You know, on a film with a decent budget, you know, it just it wasn't feasible, especially after the comedies hit in late 71, well, they, early 72. Always, well, you remember the big guys always said the problem with Italian genre filmmaking is that they would oversaturate the market. It was saturated horribly, you're right, yeah. In about 68, yeah, 69, it was just, yeah. A one I've heard that. I've heard that there was I heard that there was films made in '68 and '69 that you know that have never even been released, you know because at that time the the market was just it was so badly glutted. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Jesus, right there. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. I mean, that's definitely Jesus scene there, and it and it's similar to the if you think about it, the scene in Kioma when Kioma's tied to the um, like that. Christ-like figure in, um, uh, well, in Kioma. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's tied to the cross right here. Yes, he is. Sorrow, yes, sorrow does not like to be cheated, does it? (laughs) Right. 
and, and, you know, to a point, a lot of this, too, is, you know, to you could look at also this character as being a character who, you know, which is, was big in the Asian films, is is a character who died, you know, and just couldn't sleep, you know, couldn't rest until they had their vengeance. Now, that yeah, was big in a uh, lot of the, the Japanese Evans, films. All of those films, Ayoman. Right. But, but it's just, which, go ahead. Yeah. It's just that he doesn't, you know, he does, he can't rest. And if you seen yeah. when he was when he was pacing in his room, you know, when he was washing his hands, it just seems like you know something's bothering him and he can't rest. And when he does rest, he's having type of fever dreams, like, you know, he has to fulfill that vengeance, you know, before he can rest. Yeah. And even then when, you know, with the bats flying around and him tied to that cross like that, it almost gives, I mean, it's almost like a, a, a scene from Dracula or something, you know, a, a Hammer Dracula film. Well, this is like a scene from, uh, Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Look, it's an iguana. Why? No fucking reason. <laughs> but the bats, you and that's know, a fruit and stuff bat. like that. That's yeah. a fruit bat. <laughs> He's out to suck his hey, blood. Hey, man, got any fruit around here? Come on, man. <laughs> that's the only shot of a vampire bat. Is that close-up right there. Hey, man, what the fuck's his problem? I don't know. I think he got a poop. <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that the bats are looking at him like he's an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I love that. Most would just put rubber bats on Milan and call it a day and just get some blood in there. But not him. He has to make the weird shots. Yeah. And they don't show the big scene of him confessing, you know. Right. And even the music is going crazy right here. This It's definitely it's definitely got that sinister vibe to it, doesn't it? Yeah. And the reason that we do films like this on Halloween rather than what, we could pick easy standard ones that both of us would like, like a Japanese ghost film. Mm hmm. I like showing that there's unique (laughs) and what most people classify as a scary movie is Mm -hmm. really an unclassifiable genre. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. And to me, this film, you know, it's the best of both worlds. And in the fact that, you know, it's a spaghetti western and it has, uh, you know, and it, it's a horror film. You know, to and me, right it's, here it's something perfect, out of, uh, what's his James name? Bond. Uh, the one with uh, uh, Sabata and the later yeah, Sartana. Right, you know, yes. 
kind of gadgetry, yeah. Uh, turn it into a blowgun or something like that. Right. And instead of showing a dart shown in his head, they just put blood on their hands and have them smear it on their neck. Right. And why couldn't he have got himself loose from that? <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah, they were just look like they were wrapped around there. And I love this scene right here. You know, he's still got that childness, you know. He's still a child at heart. You know, playing with yeah. his, and this parrot is just amazing. He loves his toys, you know. And that fucking parrot. Mm-hmm. And that's Mickey Knox doing the parrot's voice. <laughs> which he wrote a, a, a book, which I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's if you look at it's on Amazon. It's a very good book <laughs> on his life. You know, before he was an actor, got blacklisted and went to Italy, and he's got some great stories. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Italy and become one of the biggest dubbers. He went beyond being Mickey Knox actor. Right, you're right. And they're desecrating a, a, few, a, a graveyard now. I mean, really? <laughs> this movie, if this you movie watch 90% everything. of Spaghetti Westerns, most of the chance, there is a great, great chance that every one of them were possibly written by Mickey Knox. And if you're a fan style. of the Leone films, every one of those, besides Once Upon a Time in America, and uh, that, that, that. Duck, You Sucker, their dubs were done by Mickey Knox. Right. Yeah, he did a lot. You're right. He was. You're right. You know, his classic story was 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 on the Once Upon a Time when Al Murdoch killed himself and jumped out of a hotel window, and Leone, when they were loading him in the car, said he needed the you know the outfit. <laughs> he wasn't worried that he was dying or dead. He was worried that he needed the outfit for the um, for the shoot. Yeah. And there she goes. She's obviously a pyromaniac, and it kind of, and also she, you know, yeah, yeah, she is pyromaniac. We'll get to the rest here in a bit, but Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I can remember Milan was like, 
on the interview like, Guya, they can tell these are fucking fireworks in this shot. And he's like, so what? And he learned once he watched the movie that he was right. <laughs> mm-hmm. He didn't give a shit. long as it went, boom. Well, and they, All they you know, too, they, the boom. And you got to figure, too, they weren't really worried about, you know what I'm saying? They were more yeah. worried about just, you know, getting the film out. And then, and then the you know, continuity or... Was, uh, Them uh, with an air blaster thing making the dirt go up in the air right. and all those cuts with an explosion sound. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even really need the boom, them to be real explosives or the boom. Fuck, fuck! That's the first time I heard a parrot say fuck in a movie. <laughs> That parrot's cursing like a sailor. I love it. <laughs> God damn you. Well, let's be honest. If someone shot me, I'd be cursing them too. See, he shot Anybody? himself. Oh. Any, but, you know, his, his, he didn't have that big... You know, that's the first time Milan shot and killed anybody like this in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Well, he was part of the ambush at the beginning. Yeah. And listen to the music. There's no happiness. Usually they would show the dead bodies and, da, 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 we've killed the bad guy. Look at all that nasty stuff. See, that, is, yeah, there's a fact. Yeah, was even if death lays an egg, when he showed violence, he didn't show it as a good thing, even if the bad guys got. Okay, we're about to go into overtime. So, for you people listening live, you're about to get cut off. For everyone else, it won't freaking matter. And here's where the fire starts. And here's where the biggest thing, like. It doesn't happen like this. This shot right here is definitely out of some Tumlegia pit in a pendulum. Mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe Roger Corman shot. Yes, absolutely. Because do you think what happens right here, and I just love that no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, they just, no, just goes literally, the no down. one gives a shit. No, they don't. Nobody will pray. He's a preacher wants everybody to pray, and nobody will pray. And then eventually, it becomes like you know, a laughing stock to them. They laugh about it. Yeah. But you see, he's going I'm in there to get the gold. <laughs> of course, yeah. he's going in to get the gold. The greed till the end. Yeah. 
it doesn't melt that quick. It doesn't turn to liquid gold that quick. No, it takes I a mean, while. I mean, it's a great ending, but no, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> you have to get cold Especially if it did have to liquefy it. That's a fact. Because it is a rock. Right. But he wasn't one to let logic get in the way of a great ending. No, and well, a lot of films, you know, that logic goes out the window a lot. Well, this is basically two or three movies rolled into one. <laughs> I mean, how Edgar Allan Poe is that shot right there? That's a fact. And he only feels bad about her death. Nothing else. Right. And if you notice the way it looks, he's finally burning in hell and burning out all of his sins. Right. Metaphors, people, look it up. (laughs) And he's completed his quest for revenge. And there's and now a desecrated on. graveyard. And the show, and I love how he shows that this town is still fucking batshit crazy. He didn't mm-hmm. save nobody in this town. <laughs> what the hell? Frankenprints. 
Yeah, I think a lot of their early stuff, but it, I mean, I think now that they're really working hard, a lot of their early prints were that way. Yeah, well, not a lot of them, but they were. Some of them were like that. But, but like their last um, uh, requiem for a uh, for a gringo, it's a beautiful. It's a Blu-ray, and it's a beautiful print. But there is some prints like that. But you know, you got to kind of get what you can take. You know, I mean, even hell, even Kino recently released um, a second to pray, uh, a second to die. Uh, so. Whatever it is, I forget here. That's you know, I'm, poor Hollerman. No, it's it's the one with Alex Cord, a minute to pray, a oh, second a to die. Pray, a second to die. Yeah, yeah and, and they, they did. DVD of that, and it looks like shit. Yeah, and and their, the keynote wasn't bad, but it wasn't the uncut print. I think a German one, but I mean, so eventually they are found. You know, some of them can be found. You, you know, well, so, they are out there. It's just that Wild East, because they're on their own, they have to do Frankenprints because they don't have any access to negatives because they're working a little bit off the grid. Yeah, they probably buy prints from, I mean, I'm guessing here, but I would think that they probably buy a print and they have to buy multiple prints of things just to get a complete, you know, yeah, like uh, for the big uh, gun down, they had uh, they were lucky enough to find a 16 millimeter print with the missing scenes they needed, but it wasn't yeah. in English, so the Franken print was uh, the missing scenes were uh, in Italian. Right, and and you find that a bit. It, that doesn't bother me one bit at all. No. You know, when it's, I don't care. You know, I I, I would rather watch it. Missing scenes were that way because they never were dubbed into English. Yeah, which is fine. You know, I, I would like I said, I would much rather have that and have an uncut print. You know, so yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and again, buy spaghetti movies. The book by spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti <laughs> westerns. The book by Mike Cal. He yeah, loves and did worked his ass off on this book. Thank you. He I went insane twice. Yeah, that's more than twice, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, but thank you. I mean it's like I said, I've gotten some responses back and it's been very positive, so you know, And the ones who get positive response about that are people who love and know as much about the genre as much as he has. So he's getting respect from the people that you want to get respect from if you're dabbling good point. in that genre. That's, that's a good point, and that kind of scared me a little bit, you know, initially, you know, because I kind of worried, you know, about what I was going to get from the people who knew Spaghetti Westerns as as opposed to somebody that just an occasional. I mean, I, I love the feedback from anybody and everybody, but when I kind of was getting that, then I realized that, yeah, this you know, you know, it's better than, you know, I had hoped for, because obviously when you do something, an undertaking like that, you're, uh, you know, oh, did I do it right? Did I, you, know, you know, but, you know, it, it seems to have went over pretty good, so that's great. Yeah, if you got a friend who loves it, remember this Christmas, buy them that book, because it's a great, great yeah, Christmas and, present. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's 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 light, it's airy. You can read through it in a day or two. It's you know it's not you know 200. It's 277 or 278 pages, but it's it's light and airy. It's 
a lot of pictures. It's a lot of, you know, memorabilia I got from people that, you know, was shared yeah. with me and I that I had, you know, plenty of it here. So, I mean, and it's it's kind of broken up to where it's quick, nice little reads instead of, you know, getting bogged down into a 278 pages of all words. So, well, you know, like it's, I said, there's always there's two kinds of books, ones that you use to write books and ones that you read for pleasure. Yours is in the read for pleasure genre. Yeah, I agree. And, and it also has a little bit of the, you know, it, it could be used reference to a point because, you know, I did in, try to include as many of the, you know, the releases as I know, you know, on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, on the films that I covered, and also some of the film locations and any little tidbits that I could get. So, yeah. it, it, but absolutely, it's a, it's a, a book for pleasure reading. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. And uh, thank you again for showing up. And we're going out tonight with a commercial for a friend of the show. And then the outro. We'll see you again later this week. With uh, Marty Greco's show. Yes, we're finally going to get it done. And this Saturday is going to be a special, and this Sunday is going to be a special show about the Knoxville Horror Fest and what we're going to be going on there this year. And also, yes, we're going to have the story reading. It'll probably be the weekend of the fest because I won't be here. And I've already got a couple of block good ones lined up and some more on the way. So thank you, and happy Halloween month, and good night, and thank you for being on again as usual, Mike. Thank you, Stephen. Good night. Thank you, everybody. Sure. Hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I'm giving you the show over to Two minutes. Hey, take the. Hey, everybody. This is Steve. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'm giving the show over for a few minutes to Mr. Lobo to tell you how you can get physical media copies of Cinema Insomnia, the best show ever hosted by Mr. Lobo, on DVD for your Halloween pleasure this year. Hey, Steve. Hi, how are you? It's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm holding in my hand three copies of Mr. Lobo's Cinema Insomnia. We've got our Haunted House special, which features other horror hosts like uh, Count Gordeval and Carlos Borloff and Dr. Sarcophagi and Spanguli playing different characters in our own adventure. Uh, We also have uh, our um, Bob Wilkins Halloween special, which has me and my mentor, Bob Wilkins, talking in the cemetery about our favorite Halloween movies, which is a personal favorite of mine, and our first horror-hosted movie on Alpha Video, uh, which is Ega, and uh, that is going to be followed up closely by Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and um, uh, Gappa, Monsters from a Prehistoric Planet, and Dick Tracy meets Gruesome featuring Boris Karloff, and they're all on oldies.com, Mr. Lobo's Cinema Insomnia. They're only $5.95 each. You can buy 10 of them for $39.90. That's 4 bucks a piece. Uh, it's a great value. It's a great way to build up your physical media 
collection. You know, if, 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 if my streaming channel, OSI 74, were to disappear tomorrow, you would have these episodes in your hot little hands, and they have beautiful artwork. And it's, it definitely is holding the we're, – we're carrying the torch and, 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 and sending physical media into the next uh, millennium. So we're really excited about bringing back uh, Mr. Lobo's DVDs. Thank you so much, Steve, for letting me talk about them. Yes, and kids and adults both enjoy Santa Insomnia. So this Halloween, go to Good night, everybody. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Magneto's right. There's a war coming. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. You sure you're on the right side? 